Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. If you ever search the phrase expectation versus reality, it will take you an interesting place down the internet but it's fun. You'll have a laugh. You can try it after church. Um, Think of a time when maybe your expectations didn't match reality. So perhaps, perhaps it's that recipe, that TikTok recipe you tried, and it just didn't turn out as planned. So we have um, a couple of instances on the screen here. Um, Maybe you were dreaming of making a beautiful cake for your child, and that is your skill level. Sometimes... Sometimes a dream doesn't happen. What about um, a trip? Have you taken an, an adventure? You've just planned it all out, and maybe the expectation was this glass-bottom boat where you'd see everything, but look at that last screen. <laughs> this is a really sad little window of expectation there. Okay, so what if, have you ever ordered clothes online, and they just didn't turn out like you wanted them to? So here are some examples, but I'm sure we can all relate when the fact is that, you know, what's put out there, what's marketed to us is a very curated and photoshopped probably, uh, you know, vision of the world, and then there's reality. And so how do we find the joy when the expectations are huge, but then we have to pay attention to what's in front of our faces? And maybe that can happen in faith as well. Um, Before we get into today's scripture, I'm going to bring to you, we're going to defy your expectations. I'm going to go old school, okay? Remember, um, I don't know if you ever grew up in church, there's times where it's like, you know, there was like a story that's like a real heartwarming lesson, kind of a laugh, old school story. Here's what I heard growing up. There was once a man who lived near a river and a storm blew in. And so the river began to rise and everyone was tasked to evacuate and the neighbors came along in their Jeep and said, we can get you to safety. And the man's like, no problem. God is going to rescue me. I'm staying here. The storm continued. The waters rose. And then the whole community sent out like boats into the neighborhood to make sure people could get to safety. Come on, jump in. And the man was like, nope, I have prayed. Jesus is my savior. I'm good. You can keep going. And finally, the next day, the water had risen so much, the man sitting on his roof and a helicopter comes through and anyone who was stranded in this community. And he's like, God's got me. I'm good. You guys keep going. And then the man drowned. And then he appeared at heaven at the pearly gates, the old school preachers would say. And he met God and said, God, why didn't you rescue me? I prayed. I prayed. I had faith. And God's like, I sent you a Jeep and a boat and a helicopter. What more do you want? Thank you. Steve gave me those. I knew he was going to be in here for me. So we want you to think of this cheesiness because it sticks in your mind. I found out it's not just old school Protestant preachers, but apparently um, there's some folks in the Jewish, Hindu, and Buddhist religions who have all told this story to their faith groups as well. So we're trying to be a little goofy here to stick in our minds the fact that Sometimes, sometimes our reality looks so simple and commonplace, and it just seems ordinary every day. How can that be God at work? And people in the very first century who met Jesus, they felt the same way. How can this ordinary Jewish man walking among us be God? 
So let's look into the book of Hebrews today. We're in our series called Jesus, There and Back Again. And if you were not with us last week, please check it out. Well, you get the little story of why we have this theme and what's going on in the history of the book of Hebrews. We have it on our YouTube and podcast. Now, the people in the first century who believed in Jesus, they faced an unexpected thing in their lives. The reality was that they were persecuted for their faith. And people in the church, the very first church, they came from Gentile and Jewish backgrounds. And this book of Hebrews is written to the Jewish people who probably faced even more stress from their own loved ones because they were seen as abandoning their heritage by choosing Jesus. And so certainly they probably grappled with what happens when this faith that I prayed about and this God that I prayed to and now my everyday life is hard and it's full of pain and it's not an easy, just joyous worship all the time. There's fear. And so the author of Hebrews, as we said last week, we really don't know exactly who wrote it, was reaching out to their friends who were Jewish people who had come to believe in Jesus, were gathering in a house church, probably in the city of Rome itself, and saying, Jesus is who we were waiting for. Hang on. Hang on. And so every chapter that we read is another portion of this letter encouraging friends to say, hang in there. And we all need those reminders. And so that's why we're, we're digging into Hebrews and calling it, this is our quest too. We're going to look into ancient history to, to unearth the truth about Jesus so that our own faith and our own trust, can, we can have those renewals and reminders. In Hebrews chapter 1, Jesus was compared to angels and prophets and shown how he was greater than these. He did these things and more. And today in Hebrews chapter 2, we're going to begin with some angels again, with a slightly different perspective. If you'd like to read along, uh, the scripture that's on the screen is from the New, uh, New Testament for Everyone version. Hebrews chapter 2, I'll read for us today. So then we must pay all the closer attention to what we heard in case we drift away from it. You see, if the word which was spoken through angels was reliable, with appropriate and just punishment, every time anyone broke it or disobeyed it? How shall we escape if we ignore a rescue as great as this? It started by being declared through the Lord, Jesus, and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God bore witness as well, along with them in signs, wonders, and many different type of powerful deeds, and by the Holy Spirit distributed in accordance with his will. Okay, there's a lot here. Let's dig into some history. And so that's going to help us understand the little bit of a hidden message here. Talking about angels again. Now, the interesting point of Jewish history is that they had a tradition that they thought angels were part of God's way of communicating the law to Moses. Recall, we studied the book of Exodus last year. And the Hebrew people were delivered from slavery in Egypt. And Yahweh, the Lord God, gave them this new opportunity to live in freedom. And he gave them some, a rule book to play by, let's say. We read through the Ten Commandments together. And we saw them not as constraining, but freeing. Because 
They had lived in a system of oppression and harm, and now they could live with dignity and honoring one another, and God gave them guidelines for that. So we noted that there was more than 10. We did not read through them all, but there's actually 613 laws in total in the Hebrew Bible, in the Torah. You can find them in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And this was the goal of the Jewish people, to connect with God. It was about living in obedience and honoring his ways. And so while we saw that Yahweh talked directly to Moses and gave him the top 10, actually they think that maybe angels, that became the tradition that angels probably intervened to help communicate the rest of the 613 laws to Moses. So here, when the author is talking about angels and this message they brought, this was a specific message. This was Torah itself saying Jesus is the next rescue plan, focusing on Jesus as compared to the very law that they have built their lives upon. So this is speaking even more than just worshiping angels, which were discussed last week, saying worship Jesus instead. Look at what it says. If the word spoken from angels was reliable. In other words, if you have guided your entire relationship with God on what is good and knowing what is sin and looking at this law and investing your lives in it, then clearly Yahweh was displaying his justice and his righteousness. And now, now it's through Jesus. We don't want to miss that rescue plan says Yahweh brought justice through the law. And we like that, right? We want, we want dignity for all people. We want, we want evil to be defeated. We want good things to happen. And yet part of that was the law was pointing out where each person had to look internally and see what was righteous, what was harmful. And so Jesus here brought a new way of living out that law and fulfilling it with his life. Why wouldn't we want this form of rescue, the author asks. Let's keep reading. You see, God didn't place the world to come, which is what I'm talking about, under the control of angels. Someone has spoken of it somewhere in these terms. What are humans that you should remember them? What is the son of man that you should take thought for him? You made him a little lower than the angels, you crowned him with glory and honor, and you placed everything under his feet. Here's this expectation versus reality. What the Jewish people have always known is that this is the way Yahweh communicates. He spoke directly to Moses. He spoke through angels. He gave us this law. This is the way he's always talked to us. Surely if he has a new message that it would look similar, right? That's the expectation. And Jesus looked a little lower than angels, they said. Kind of ordinary. He, this is a quote from Psalm chapter 8. And each time, again, the author is trying to take his friends, their friends, through Scripture to show, look, Jesus is fulfilling all these Scriptures. We've, Psalms, we sang it. We sang this out loud. And yet Jesus was the one who was going to get honor and glory. He was the one, the Son of Man. So angel messages, they were pretty otherworldly and fantastic. We talked, um, you know, back in December, we talked about just the way the angels would always tell people, don't be afraid, like they're astounding, they're bright, they're very different. 
And so that would be exciting to think like, God's going to keep speaking this way. It's always going to be bright and brilliant and wonderful. And yet when Jesus showed up as a human, raised by humans, hanging out as a kid in the streets, playing together with your neighbors, like that, that felt so simple. It seemed too simple to be God. The ordinary, the Jeep, the boat, the helicopter. Okay, Jesus was simple, but he also had glory. Let's keep reading in verse 8. When it speaks of everything being subjected to him, it leaves nothing that is not subjected to him. As things are at present, we don't see everything subjected to him. What we do see is the one who was, for a little while, made lower than the angels. That is Jesus. He's crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by God's grace, he might taste death on behalf of everyone. This is how it works out. Everything exists for the sake of God and because of him. And it was appropriate that in bringing many children to glory, he should make perfect through suffering the one who leads the way to salvation. Okay, there's a lot tucked into these verses, but let's step through it bit by bit. Jesus began is a lowly human. Don't you love that? That's encouraging to read. Thank you. We're lowly. But verse 10, Jesus suffered and died on behalf of all humans. He took on a status of human to fulfill the Jewish law with his life and to become the Messiah that Israel had been waiting for. But wait, everyone gets the same benefit. Everyone gets the salvation offered that Israel had been learning about for years. And Jesus removed the guilt of sin with his death. And with his resurrection, he gives us a new perspective on death to have hope for eternity. And we all get to just, you know, glom onto that. You know, Jesus, spiritually speaking, he's cool with it. He's done the work, and we just get to go hang on to that. Therefore, Jesus was the leader into salvation, it says. He led the way. So, Want to know some fancy theological terms for this? Okay, here's our vocab for the day. First of all, we have justified. Being justified is the moment that we say yes to Jesus' salvation. We here at Echo Church, when we say yes to Jesus, we practice baptism as an outward expression of that decision, just like Jesus was baptized. We say yes to the work of Jesus. I'll take your gift. Thank you. And remember it this way, by trusting in Jesus, justified is just as if I'd never sinned. It's another old school preacher phrase, but it'll stick in your brain, I tell you. Jesus' death and resurrection took our place, removing all the sin we've done, removing all the sin done to us, and we get to say yes, and it's right there. It happens right, right then. Now, we don't just say yes to Jesus and walk away. The rest of our lives is this process called trying to be sanctified. We try our best to live like Jesus' righteousness because if you believe in something, you live it out. That is what we expect. Spoiler alert, we're not going to be perfect at it. But we're trying to be holy, which means set apart, separate from sin, trying to bring that righteousness and justice, that grace, that hope of Jesus into the world because we're not just waiting for heaven we're trying to live it out on earth and make this world look like what Jesus lived it, what God created it to be. That is our part in striving again and again. And when we fail, when we fall, we just, we won't be perfect, but we go again. 
So justified and sanctified, and that is what this beautiful process is of having a relationship with Jesus and what this letter of Hebrews was encouraging to the believers in the first century. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. For the one who makes others holy and the ones who are made holy all belong to a single family. This is why Jesus isn't ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. When he says, I will announce your name to my brothers and sisters, I will sing your praise in the midst of the assembly. And again, I will place my trust in him. And again, look, here I am with the children God has given me. I love this. I love this. Look, Jesus is talking about Jesus is singing, he's calling everyone his siblings, he just, we're all one big happy family, and I don't know, sometimes I just need to reread that, like Jesus is not ashamed to call us his, to claim us, you know, we always think of like, I'm making the decision to follow Jesus, and Jesus is like, I'm making the decision to say I'm hanging out with you, and he does, and those are reminders we love to read. Again, this is ancient scripture, Psalm 22. People would have sung this. Jesus might have sung this song when he's hanging out and worshiping when he was growing up. And yet now he's living it out, calling people his own family. Now let's close with the final verses of this chapter. And it's just a reminder of all these things that we've talked about. Let's just hear it again in some new words. Verse 14. Since the children share in blood and flesh, Jesus too shared in them in just the same way, so that through, the, through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and set free the people who all their lives were under the power of slavery because of the fear of death. It's obvious, you see, that he isn't taking special thought for angels. He's taking special thought for Abraham's family. That's why he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way, so that he might become a merciful and trustworthy high priest in God's presence to make atonement for the sins of the people. He himself has suffered, you see, through being put to the test, and that is why he is able to help those who are being tested right now. That's our first reference to a high priest, and that is going to be a topic longer discussed in another day. Teaser, come back. But here's a fun note. Um, I like that the author of Hebrews is using some different things to get them to think about in their culture. So already he's mentioned angels referencing their, their faith history and what they would know there. Here he's mentioning, um, he says that Jesus is going to take away the power of death, destroy the devil. So it's interesting because we're saying they're living likely in Rome. And so we've probably all learned about Roman gods and goddesses. And that was big in their day. That's happening. There are people worshiping actively these Roman gods and goddesses among them. And that's where the Jewish Christians would be living and seeing their neighbors taking part in this. And so if they hear this, this mention of a mythological reference of a devil, of an evil tyrant that a hero is going to defeat, that was Hercules in their culture. And so it's interesting because there is, there, the people would have known about Hercules, and then it's like the author is trying to say, look, just like this visual that you see out there, just like using it as a sermon illustration, right? Like saying, you guys hear about this heroic movement of Hercules and 
The author is not afraid of that. It's saying like Jesus used this visual to think that's what Jesus is doing for our spiritual lives. So I love that just looking around at the culture of the day and using that to help explain and try to visualize this invisible God. Because that's what word after word, paragraph after paragraph here, that's just what it's all about. It's trying to grapple with we're living in a faith that we cannot see. And just trying to put feet to that, trying to put heart to that, trying to persevere and say, it's not always easy. And when you have hard times and you're believing in something that you don't see, you start to question. And the author of Hebrews, and what we want to encourage here is just to say, it's okay. It's okay to question. It's okay to feel discouraged at times, but take heart. Take heart. So this person that wrote Hebrews is just, just trying to say that we looked and we saw this man live on earth for 33 years, very ordinary guy, and yet he began preaching he began teaching, doing miracles, gaining followers, and he said he was sent from Yahweh, the Lord God of heaven. And it's hard to juxtapose those two things. I'm sure it was then, and it can still be today. They were looking for majestic signs from above. And the author of Hebrews is still pointing out a jeep and a boat and a helicopter. Here are the things that we have at hand. We can see that Jesus was a messenger from Yahweh, that Jesus was the Son of God himself. And the challenge for us is the same as the challenge for the people living in the first century. Don't miss God moving and communicating through the unexpected. Because it may look simple and ordinary and familiar in our lives, but take note that the things going on in your day might be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When you pray, you probably have expectations of how you'd like an answer. That's usually what we do. We go to God and we're like, I kind of have a visual here. You want to match up with mine? Great. But just because the, the answer doesn't look that way doesn't mean that God isn't moving. Because that's, that's what we kind of do, right? As humans, we're like, well, I prayed for this. You gave me that. Or you, I just don't even think you're answering. Probably wasn't you in the first place. Yet I don't want us to miss out on the fact that God is responding. It just, sometimes we have to look around and pay attention to the way that it's different than what we visualize. Jesus may be showing up through people that you didn't really want to meet in the first place. People you didn't expect, didn't expect to be in your life. Jesus may be sanctifying you through an experience that's, that's hard. Jesus may be trying to get your attention through nature or art or music or math or Sunday morning worship or scripture. And it might seem commonplace. You might be going through emails and dealing with coworkers and stressful situations and you can find a message there. Maybe you're sitting from a snowstorm that has forced you to sit still and slow down, even take a nap. And somehow... God can make that a holy moment. We don't want to discount the messenger that Jesus still uses to teach us. So let's pay attention. 
I'm not saying that, that God is the cause of negative things, but the fact that God can redeem even the negative things. And it's just always nice to have those reminders. And I, again, I don't say these things to be flippant or to realize that you might be going through a very heavy thing and maybe you've prayed and prayed and prayed over something and it's very difficult to not find an answer. And I know that's not easy. I just want to give you hope that God hears and that God is moving and that God cares. And at other times, the interactions that we've had with other people who claim to be Christians damages our faith because they don't live up to our expectations and that can damage who we see Jesus to be. So we need these reminders to go back and be like, who was Jesus? Because I said, we're not living it out perfectly and therefore the people we interact with aren't either. But sometimes if we don't go back to remember who Jesus actually was, then we start to slip and doubt. That's why we come together and we want to remind ourselves. We come here every week to read the scripture and be like, Jesus, who were you? Give us hope for this next day, right? That's why we're here. And I hope that we will find encouragement and we will notice the ordinary, the mundane, and that somehow we pray that Jesus will infuse that with his love and it becomes an answer. It becomes beautiful in a way we didn't expect it to. I don't want any of us to miss out on the beauty of the ordinary because Yahweh is in constant communication with us and sometimes we just have to pay attention. That's why we have each other too. I can sometimes have a conversation with someone and say, oh, that's really cool. I see the way that God answered that prayer in your life. And you might be like, I didn't notice that. Or you say that to me. That's why we're together as a family. That we can pay attention to God as a community. We're not, we don't have to be isolated and do it alone. So just like the people in the Hebrews receiving that first letter the, for the very first time and reading these words, it was to remind them to stay together and stay with Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for demonstrating through believers throughout history that we can endure, we can hold on to you, that you are worth holding on to. Lord, we thank you for the ways that you do respond to us in ways that we don't expect, but that are very real. And we thank you for these reminders that you're always listening for us. You're always looking out for us. You do claim us as your own. You're not afraid to identify yourself with us. And we thank you for the perseverance of Jesus' followers over the centuries. And may we continue in their footsteps. We thank you for your words, your reminders. And we lift up Jesus today. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. 
that's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.